Phase World Podcast helps independent creators live their creative and financial freedom. I'm your host, Fei Wu, and I'll be taking you through a series of interviews with creators from around the world who are living life on their own terms. Each episode is packed with tactics, nuggets you can implement, origin stories to make listening productive and enjoyable. We're not only focused on the more aspirational stories, but relatable ones as well. We also have non-interview-based mini-series releasing throughout the year to help deep dive into topics such as freelancing, marketing, even indie filmmaking that will benefit creators like you. Show notes, links, and ways to connect with the guests are available on phaseworld.com. Now, on to the show. All right. Hi, everybody. I am here with Sarah Chung. This is Faye again. I haven't done a podcast in a while, and this is our very first live stream podcast here on Phase World. And Phase World's name actually changed from just Phase World Podcast to now Phase World Media. We're everywhere. If you haven't found us on uh, YouTube, definitely check it out under Phase World Media. We're doing a lot of tutorials and stories and useful videos for fitness and creative entrepreneurs. Uh, and this very stream is broadcasting currently to YouTube, my personal Facebook page. I applied to LinkedIn, hasn't been approved yet, and also Twitter Periscope uh, for the first time. So I'm here with Sarah Chong, who is from Hong Kong, currently is in Hong Kong. How are you, Sarah? I'm very good, thank you. So good to have you. you here. Yeah, Thank so you for having me. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. And um, so we've known each other for a couple of years now. And you came to Boston to visit me. We had awesome dim sum. And that's of course. When I, yeah, of course. That's when I found out um, the fact that you are doing all these super creative work. You're developing an app. And that is just amazing. I can't wait to talk about it. But please tell us how we actually reconnected this time. What were you looking for, searching for at the time? Actually, I was just on YouTube and I was searching for Zoom tips. Uh, like something really practical for doing fitness videos because I do a lot of classes. I do Tai Chi, Qi Gong, Kung Fu. And with the pandemic, of course, I want to kind of go online to still be a cater for my students. So mm -hmm. I was looking for something uh, very practical um, and talking about the nitty gritty, the mic, um, how to mirror something, um, how to actually get there, the step-by-step -step process. Wow. And uh, yeah, this sounds like it's probably pretty complex because uh, before the before the recording, you were telling me that there were multiple people involved, uh, going to be involved during the Zoom session. Like, could you tell us about like what you're struggling with or what you have been struggling with? So if it's just me, it's a little bit more simple because there's one screen, one camera. Um, one mic and everything is pretty straightforward, uh, much like what I'm doing with you now. Um, but when you're teaching, you probably have to go a little bit further so you can see their feet and check their footwork and various things like that. Uh, but my challenge is that um, for the first time, um, we are actually really excited on the 30th, we're doing a live uh, Zoom event with mm -hmm. uh, 84-year-old Grandmaster Long Kai Ming. Um, it's like a Northern Shaolin Grandmaster, awesome guy, legend, um, and a doctor, and myself. And we're going to be going through like all the um, exercises for Shaolin basic training and Shaolin Badun Jing Qigong. 
So I think because this event is uh, kind of got more moving pieces, it's going to be outdoors. Uh, it's going to be three people. One person's 84 year old and has a hearing aid. I'm just trying to kind of navigate these unknown territories. And that's why I was help looking for some tips at your space. Yeah, that's yeah. so fascinating. <laughs> I was uh, really surprised that you found me there because as I mentioned before, I feel like my, my brand is always going through a transition and bit of a transformation. And this one here on YouTube is probably the biggest jump that we've had. And um, yeah. in, you know, in less than a month, all of a sudden now we have 2,600 subscribers. I'm seeing 100,000 views uh, each month. And in 20 days, awesome. the, yeah, the impression is like over 1.4 million, which is kind of crazy. So um, you mentioned that you didn't mind my content before, and then now you're consuming it now. That makes me really proud. I just want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yes. Uh, so I, I've always been like watching what you're doing because uh, I've been doing my own thing um, after doing corporate work. And then I kind of transitioned. So I was looking at what, what you were doing, looking for inspiration. And then now more consuming like the fitness um, instructions and Zooms. Perfect for me. Wow. So yeah, if you don't mind, I would love to build a little bit of context and background about your corporate sure. uh, work, you know, what you did before you now build, this is, I think, balances this brand just for people who are listening to this. I'm going to just throw some call outs. If you want to learn more about Sarah, definitely there are links in the descriptions below as part of this live stream, which we're using Restream for the first time. So we're including links, the Zoom session she's hosting, learning more about her book, uh, you know, social media connections and all of that. So, um, Sarah, like, give us a high level view of how long you've been working on balance and what you did before that. Okay, so basically, balance. What we're trying to do is kind of modernize Tai Chi and Qigong to share it with more people um, to help people find a sense of balance. And for some, it's going to be physical balance. For others, it's more kind of a mental balance. Um, I started this actually for my mother, uh, funnily enough, she was complaining to me about, you know, knee pain and worrying about her own balance and my grandmother fell uh, in her old age. So my mom is not old, but she wanted to kind of build herself up. And I, being a daughter, I'm sure a lot of you will kind of feel me on this. Um, you want the best for your parents mm -hmm. and so I was looking everywhere for something for her I looked I, re I really wanted to find something off the shelf but unfortunately I couldn't find it mm -hmm. so um, then uh, the good thing is like my family of, well, I come from a family of doctors so I use their network and I try to ask a lot of experts and try to read a lot of information a lot of studies and actually at the end of the day came to like Tai Chi and Qigong, some of the best exercises to improve balance. So mm -hmm. that's how um, this journey began. And uh, luckily enough, I work with uh, Grandmaster Long Kai Ming Sifu, who is a legendary Northern Shaolin Grandmaster from um, Gu Yu Zheng. So it's like the Northern Shaolin um, legend. And Mm -hmm. He taught his father and he learned, my Sifu learned from his father. He's 84 years old and he's been teaching since he was 17. Oh, wow. So, uh, that's so, 17. So Training yeah, is probably <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, so 
I was, I think I've been very lucky and he kind of, he's kind of different from other masters in that he's very willing to share and try to like share the art to more people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how it, this all started. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, what I was also fascinated and I remember you carried an iPad when you're in Boston. So people may be wondering, my goodness, to build an app, it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of skills. And I know that some yeah. of that firsthand when I build my documentary, when I build my company, is that all of a sudden you are this person who need to possess or at least do so much and some of which are not your expertise. But this combination mm-hmm. of your collaboration is fascinating. Uh, and uh, in particular, could you give us a sense of uh, your experience? I remember in design and user experience. And oh. let's talk about that in your yeah. corporate world. Of course. Um, so I love design. Like, I really, really like it. I've liked it since I was a little girl. Mm-hmm. I studied uh, at St. Martin's in uh, London um, for many years. And then I worked in London, I worked in LG. And then I spent many years in the corporate world, like working mm-hmm. on tech projects, uh, innovation projects, and kind of, uh, at first it was more hardware, um, you know, phones and smartwatches and things like that. And then it was a very nice transition when things kind of hardware and software was starting to merge mm-hmm. and I really like that space so I did all the use design stuff and uh, uh, understanding like um, different users different values what people care about what people get stuck on what people get frustrated with and try to simplify and purify all of that so that it's beautiful seamless experience so that you don't interact with the technology but really just engage with the content which I think is the the challenge Mm -hmm. and I really enjoy that so now I kind of transition um after that I kind of being from a kind of a a, a medical family I really wanted to take that uh, part of my life and use design to do something that I feel that has a little bit purpose so I do that now and um, that's so, where I am. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not just like a, a, an interviewer who has not even tried out the app. So as soon as you send it to me, I downloaded that and I started practicing. And uh, so funny, I started sending, yeah, here's some feedback. And I love the simplicity of it and how it progressively train someone. So for people who have not downloaded the app, definitely go check it out. It's on um, Apple Store. It's currently an Apple Store. Is it on Android just yet? Yeah. Also. Yes, oh, oh wow. Mm-hmm. So you're in. It's on the link. It's the links that I sent you. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. I since I have an iPhone, I've only checked out on uh, my iPhone. And uh, for people who are listening, watching, you really don't need to have any martial arts experience, like both of us do, and that's how we connected as well, right? You know, you train your balance based on you know standing postures, like really like holding one of your uh, feet up, and and then you know you start the swing and you start more movement. And it's really interesting. Like I think people of any ages from little kids to, you know, people who are elderly can definitely give it a shot. Um, And it's not intimidating at all. Like Sarah said, it's not, you're not going to be like, feel like you're on Twitch or something where you have to be like a gamer in order to understand it, but it's um, very accessible. So I love what you said about combining different superpowers together I use the word superpower, not you, but I find that your, you know, your superpowers is design, empathy, understanding what people are looking for, and you're young, so modernizing the app 
Whereas uh, people might not know, but your dad, both of your parents, I met only your dad, Sidney Chung, who is a very renowned doctor, uh, not just in China, but worldwide, um, who really contributed so much during SARS and really helped a lot of people. Um, your mom is a palliative care doctor and now you're Sifu. Talking about, could you give us like, talk about that combination again, like who's contributing what and why? And, you know. Okay, sure. Um, so Sifu, without a doubt, he's contributing like the history and the like, kind of legacy of the Northern Shaolin martial arts. And he's very detail orientated, like you'll be nitpicking on like the Shaolin palm, Shaolin fist and all like how to breathe properly and all these kinds of things. And like his goal is to like kind of pass something very valuable and benefiting health for everybody. Mm -hmm. So that has been invaluable. And it's also, you know, for me, he, he brings me and he trains me and he showed me something very pure, mm, uh, which yeah. I really like. Um, and my father, he is a bit of a nerd and uh, <laughs> he knows everything about medical stuff. And so he kind of looks at it from an anatomy point of view and he selects only the exercises that he feels will benefit you, uh, your body. So when I was designing something for my mom, I wanted it to be really optimal. I didn't want her to waste time. I wanted to get results very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of analyzed each exercise and anatomically make sure like what, what part of the body we're working. Um, so that has been really um, beneficial and kind of put everything into like, so you kind of makes it you're looking at it from scientific eyes mm -hmm. and from a medical perspective how are you benefiting the human body not just doing martial arts for the sake of doing martial arts mm -hmm. um and then i actually i also sought help from like lots of physiotherapists and other doctors so everything we do is measurable so i can guarantee you see results in like within eight weeks so my mom was my first guinea pig uh, we tested on her uh, she saw good results, but I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Like, how can I make sure she's not just an anomaly mm -hmm. and that this just worked for her? So we did it a group of people and uh, my dad helped me with the study. And we did, I did it in community centers. I did it with, in offices, with the office ladies, with different people and just monitored them and did their fit test. Mm -hmm. um, and we measure strength, flexibility, um, and balance and over a course time and and they did improve and that's why we decided to do the app so that we could scale and reach more people so my role is the design so mm -hmm. the design so i design every screen and then it, and then i test it with my students and users and then tweak and change things as we go along um, all the colors all the ux all the branding um and just Actually, I think that the world is so cluttered. So I kind of just want something very purist, give them mm -hmm. what they need in a nutshell and accessible. And also it was a big point to kind of do everything in English as well. Because a lot of times it's not accessible to a different audience or it seems too mystical. And I think it's really important to demystify and make it tangible to everyday person. And you're in the videos as well. and you know uh you, were you you were the one yeah. doing the videos right that's awesome yes. and i'm like am i looking <laughs> at somebody uh, no it's me so uh i do it because like i want to 
at first I didn't think that I would be in the videos. I always didn't imagine that, but actually I wanted to be able to, that the user just concentrate on what they need to learn. So mm -hmm. like I want to curate exactly what, what the voiceover needs to be so that they could learn easily to break it down and not to have any, and to have like, to do like a difficult version and then an easy version and then to talk through it um, so that it's clear what people have to do. Mm -hmm. And there were many iterations, so I didn't feel comfortable getting someone to come and do it and then, mm -hmm. and then changing and then, yeah. and I also, also want that continuity, like, um, I want the user to be comfortable and not have to get used to different things all the time. Yeah, if somebody drops out, I mean, this is part of a creative process that we're also intimately familiar with after, I mean, for me, I, I worked in that industry for more than a decade and I know that if you hire somebody else, if their rate goes up, right, uh, it's not even about just affordability, but if that person gets hurt or, you know, when is that person, yeah. especially if you hire like a, like an actor, actress, and, you know, when they're going to be returning to the app, can you have different people? So uh, it's very authentic, not to mention that um, also there's zero ad. Like you, I didn't see any ads in the, in the app. It's okay if it's part of the future plan, but right now, I mean, the user interface is very focused on people. Yeah, I didn't want that um, ads because I know that sometimes it's, you know, it just clutters the space. And I don't want something to be grabbing their attention when they should be focusing on what they need to do. <laughs> you fall over while in the middle of the exercise. Yeah. So, um, you know, what is um what is your vision maybe a few months from now or just just for this year because we're in a very unusual time right now so it doesn't uh surprise me at all that it just seems to me like your primary focus right now is to spread the word and you know spread the let people know about the cause and it doesn't uh hit me as like you're focusing on any monetization models at the moment but correct me if i'm wrong if there's you know how how do you see the current model versus the longevity of the app um it will be a subscription model um actually we're doing that right now but during the pandemic i didn't feel like it was right to charge um during this difficult time for everybody i'd rather everyone stuck at home uh, rather they start their exercise and and that's what we wanted to do but it's a subscription model but it's a very modest fee so that actually everybody can afford it yeah so that is really really important for us i'd rather um do that and reach more people yeah that's wonderful and i was gonna also transition into asking you this question because inevitably everybody in this world i mean for the first time in my lifetime in many people's lifetimes uh that this is literally the first time where we're all like so interconnected we're everyone yeah. on this planet and i think in a way and you know we don't talk about politics or you know too many philosophical or we're religious topics here on the show but uh i must say that i feel like we are going to come out of this uh better and stronger as like a global community um with that said inevitably a lot of people's businesses a big or small yeah. are impacted by this i have seen my close friends and clients who are trying to launch their books uh their online yeah. courses and um you know my some of my friends uh, several friends launching books and uh, and also clothing lines they're all being impacted yeah. 
how of has course. The, yeah, for sure. You know, how has a pandemic impacted, you know, your work launching the app and you working also with your, you know, with your close friends and, and family? Well, in Chinese, they have, oh, um, I speak Cantonese. They have, you know, danger means ai gay. Mm-hmm. Ai gay, ai is danger. And the second word is gay is opportunity. Mm-hmm. So when there's danger, there's opportunity. I try to see it that way, like focus on the opportunity. Because sometimes when what you're used to is no longer there, it forces you to have to think about different ways to adapt. And that's when you can maybe be more creative and kind of think a little bit and, and do something that you're a little bit uncomfortable with, but might not do otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes in worst times, that's when like, real innovation happens because you you have to adapt you can't stick to your ways Mm -hmm. and you can't stick to what's comfortable so I think that's kind of what I took from it but for me actually normally I teach classes in community centers and corporate Um, that's how I uh, I use those to kind of bootstrap and and fund the the app so far but I couldn't do any of that because community sensors are closed, offices were closed. So then I, that's how I was able to focus and uh, focus and finish off the book, which we've now printed and, and being sold. So if I didn't have that kind of force to focus and have a bit of quiet to actually think, I don't think, think things would drag on a little bit. So I kind of, I wasn't able to do some things, but then I've, decided to use that energy to focus on others. And then because all my students were stuck at home, they could come and t- mm-hmm. test things for me. And uh, so that's because, I mean, we started the pandemic much earlier than you. Now yeah. there's almost no cases here. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, we did it many months before you guys. And then, so that's how it's been like. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's uh, it's interesting that you have such a, like a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset approaching this because I can imagine it being very challenging for most people or we're very, um, it could be very depressing, right? Because you've been working on this for a long time and all of a sudden uh, this, you know, the pandemic is here, but I almost felt like it could be like a blessing in disguise. It's, It's not just about growing your app and because it has become even more clear that people need this help, need something so accessible, they can't go anywhere in, in quarantine and lockdown, I feel like your exercises could actually motivate certain people. So ha- has the results so far, I know you just launched this, but what has some of the initial reactions and feedback been so far? So it really depends. Like, um, so I got a lot of uh, messages from Singapore mm-hmm. a while back because suddenly they were under severe lockdown. So suddenly there were a lot of people using in Singapore. So it's kind of interesting, like how certain situations happen, makes people behave in a particular way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also because people were stuck at home, mm-hmm. they wanted something to read. So they like at the beginning when we, we got a lot of like online orders for books yeah. because they, wow. they needed delivery to the home so that they had something to read. Yeah, yeah. By the way, so is the book written in English? For sounds like it's the book bilingual. is bilingual. Oh, the book is bilingual. So in Chinese the and book English. Is bilingual. So 
actually um, the book, if you want kind of the philosophy and the thinking behind it, why we're doing what we're doing, the context, the history, the medical, there's like doctor's notes, mm -hmm. um, all the diagrams, all the, all the drawings. Um, the book is great to kind of get a feel of why, why we need to do this. If you want to like, hey, I mm -hmm. want to improve my balance and do a little bit Kung Fu in a short space of time, I want to see results, then the app is like how you do that in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm, I'm looking at the so, book right now on the website. I'm like, I just can't help feeling really uh, proud of you because they're so, I mean, you created such an ecosystem of this you know it's not just the app it's not just a website and i don't want anybody hearing this to think that they also need to have everything all at once because clearly this too for you is a is a process um and so you know speaking of a process people who are probably very impressed by the things that you've done because look you don't have a like this publishing or this agency empire behind you right you're you're, I'm hearing a lot of this for the first time that you're working at community centers and trying to support this project of your own. And uh, I, I know that, right? Like when I produced a documentary for like a year and a half, I didn't pay myself a dime. I, you know, I saved up every penny to pay everyone else. <laughs> it's like, oh, there was only this amount of money. But the reality is, no, I didn't get paid for any of this. And I loved it. But what was the um, process like for you? So we're talking about, you know, a website, like design, I think those probably came first. Uh, but in terms of weighing in like the iOS, Android apps, those are different apps. And, and then the book and the, and the ebook, like, did you work on the book first, last? Like, what, what was that process? Got together. Like, all together, together at the same time. Yeah. Um, but at first we were thinking it's just going to be a pamphlet or like a little, little mm -hmm. like brochure. Mm -hmm. I had in mind a brochure to go along with that but then things kind of it's not every day that Sifu agrees to write a book with us and that my, my dad's interested in something that he saw a spark in mm -hmm. like the the dynamic with Sifu and how he could that Sifu's mind was open to looking at things from a medical and scientific point of view and that was mm -hmm. like a special moment and a unique mm -hmm. situation that like I didn't feel could turn down yeah yeah that's true and, and we had a very great editor uh, with like a great attention to detail so it was like the right time i felt to do something like this and i saw images as well so there are pictures and demonstrations and like it, it's in color uh too so people can literally do you think the people can follow the book instead of the app or like it's highly recommended that they do it together or or you know you know what i mean i think some some things like Shaolin basic training, um, you can definitely, mm -hmm. but Qigong, it looks so simple, but there are, the devil is in the details. There are mm -hmm. so many little details that makes it beautiful and you have to do it many times to kind of like realize how your finger is going to be, how mm -hmm. your hand's going to be, how you shift your weight, how you breathe. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes from just being doing it and like each time you learn a little bit more so I would really recommend the app for that yeah but to yeah. learn like for me when I learn something I need to know like how to do it and then I need to know why I'm doing it yeah yeah so I think they kind of work hand in hand but yeah. to follow the exercise I always think it's nicer to see like a moving image mm -hmm. for myself 
Yeah, no, this is great. Actually, for people, some people are visual and like to flip over the pages. And then these days, especially in Asia, I mean, and access to this is so simple and uh, so many different price points. So even that is not a showstopper for most. Uh, it's just really fascinating. Is there anything else we should talk about in terms of the book and you know your app before we move on a little bit to your origin stories? Because people now get to know you. I'm sure there's a lot that's like questions in the air at the moment. <laughs> Um, I think that's, I mean, if you have any questions, so the, um, maybe one thing like for the mm-hmm. app we're doing, I'll just tell you a little bit about the program. Sure, it's sure. combining Shaolin basic training, which is really functional training. So it targets like common ailments that people have, whether it's like frozen shoulder, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, we're sitting here all the time. Some are fo- focusing on frozen shoulder some back pain um, and like really building like the muscles around wherever it's painful, for mm-hmm. example. So a lot of functional training. And the second part is Qigong, which is breath work. And it's like eight beautiful, it's called Bad Badungam, Badunjing. And it's a Qigong sequence, it's like a thousand year old. Um, and it's eight exercises, it's very simple. But like I said, devil's in the details. And you repeat each exercise eight times. Mm-hmm. And it's something that you can keep for the rest of your life because you can do it throughout your life. It's mm-hmm. In Chinese, there's a word, lo siu ham yi. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's suitable for like if you're 30 or 60 yeah. um, and so on. And it's like, and these eight beautiful exercises, um, brocade, like kind of like, the movements are very silken, very soft, very tranquil. And then eight exercises, each exercise target different section of your body. So mm-hmm. combined, it's restorative. It increases your strength. Um, for me, right? What I do is like sometimes in the morning, I do those exercises first and then I tackle the day. And there's like, it's good for your body to move in the morning. And then, and I do it outdoors. And then, and then you do the, the breathing exercises and then you just feel good and you have energy mm-hmm. to tackle the day. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is wonderful. And thank you for breaking that down. And, and just, again, I'm so excited to share this with my mom. And I think <laughs> these are the exact exercises that she needs. Um, well, her paintings are behind me, but she does she either stands or sits for a long time for her work. And it has always, you know, it was challenging for her always the physical part. But now as she gets older, I feel like maybe because of your app and just the awareness of it, maybe it will preserve her as an artist a little bit longer so she can do more. Of course, definitely, without a doubt. Um, One point I just wanted to share, which was shocking and unfortunate for me to, to, to understand too, but unfortunately aging starts at 30. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel it. So, <laughs> my back. Unfortunately, like, mm-hmm. and you really have to, like, you don't start um, your anti aging regime for your skin mm-hmm. late. You have to start early and, like, you have to start before things kind of deteriorate, mm-hmm. like, before your muscles go, mm-hmm. before everything. So, Um, I think that's really important to keep up with your training so that, and also I think for me, like the way I exercise has changed Mm -hmm. before I did a lot of like um, very hardcore, like hit training, pounding, boot camps and all Mm -hmm. that. 
and now I feel like I need something like a different approach because it's not just aesthetics yeah it's function and my focus is like on feeling good on having my body that works not in pain my shoulders don't hurt and I feel good everything's working as it should I think that's like Mm -hmm. the notion of health has kind of shifted I completely agree with that. And, um, you know, I'm not exactly exactly a gym rat, but in the past two years, I also shifted. I still love martial arts. My school is really yeah. far away. Um, but, you know, I start exercising, doing forms, you know, punches and kicks on my own. I love it. But the past two years yeah. really has been about like dance and fitness and, you know, people, especially on my YouTube channel and also in the Facebook yeah. group. Um, I feel like I'm indebted to people who kind of led the way and, teach me to do these things and now you know knowing that your app has launched and that gives me another dimension of caring for my body in a way that i i should be doing as opposed to like you said it's not the beauty standards is really becomes i feel like like you said is a double-edged sword you have to pick something that's right for you and it's not just temporarily you know, you look a certain way, but, um, you know, genetic, genetic is part of it. Diet is a huge part of it, but how do you actually feel good, um, inside and out? And that is huge. And, and yeah, I, I love what you're, um, I love what you're doing. I'm just super excited for you. Um, and, and but, uh, just one thing like, yeah, about just you know, speaking to you made me think of it. It's like, you know, if you look at yoga, it's kind of a mind, uh, biopsychosocial kind of approach. Like mm-hmm. it's it's got a rich history. It's got a lot of philosophy. Um, I mean, back in the day, it wasn't Lululemon. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't <laughs> how it is now. Lululemon. It was something very traditional. It yeah. was. It had like, you know, it isn't glamorized as it is now. It was just an ancient practice. And I, I, I really kind of look towards that and see how it's evolved. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because of how the cultural context in, in which it was, that it was able to have that. I went to California and you could see the transition step by step into something completely different. And now it's like a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I feel like martial arts, Tai Chi, Qigong, they have the same richness in philosophy. They have all that richness, but they didn't evolve in the same way. We were wearing much same silk pajamas that we were wearing back in the day. So I feel like there's room to kind of transition and make it something that is accessible to different people from different ages, different across different cultures. Mm -hmm. So that is some new lifestyle. Yeah. And and that's part of, um, you know, it's people say sometimes it's rare in Asia in particular in China to find uh, young people who are as uh, involved or as invested in, the, in their own traditions. Uh, I think that is also changing and shifting, you know, meeting you and speaking with a number of my friends. Like, I love this trend because instead of let's all go to Starbucks in China next to the Great Wall or the Forbidden City, hey, let's go to a tea house that has been here yeah. for hundreds of years or they don't exist anymore and they're young people recreating that experience. And it's so fascinating to me. And even restaurants in, in China, I feel like mm. for me to go back and, and sit, I remember there's one restaurant where it's those wooden tables and next to it, they have yeah. all, right, Xuanzhou, like rice paper, brushes and 
ancient books, even though those are all fake, still just gave you that sense of uh, you're deeply rooted. And it's funny that we're recording this because yeah. is Asian American Month. I know you're not American, or you know, so, <laughs> but it's so really interesting that we get to you know really share our heritage in a in a very authentic way because it it matters and sometimes it bothers me too where you know china's this really big and culturally very rich country but there's so little information that has been shared properly you know in the western mm-hmm. world in north america yes. um and then i think you are really you're you're shifting that without changing again the authenticity and the origin of where you seek the information from you know you're not just making it up but you're like taking the steps and a lot of effort to go after people who can actually tell you you know the origins of the story yeah i think like um most of i'm very grateful for the people willing to share their knowledge um, not only my Sifu, my Sifu, of course, my dad, he has mm-hmm. a lot of knowledge and he's just like poured it out in order to help create this project. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think there are a lot of doctors um, like that are so passionate about what they're doing. Um, physiotherapists are so passionate about what they're doing that they're very willing to share everything that they have. And they like I remember I met this doctor and he was like, please this is my life's work, all in this PPT, mm-hmm. please take it, use whatever you can and do something with it because otherwise it's, it remains on this PPT. So I'm like, then, then it's like, wow, how so generous because when people love what they do, they just want to accomplish whatever their goal is. Yeah. And uh, for me, that was so inspiring to see, like they weren't hiding anything. They were like, please take it. You don't have to credit me, take it. <laughs> yeah, it's part of their um, legacy. Powerful, yeah. Yeah, so exactly. Powerful. And I'm doing, it's, it's funny that you brought that up because I'm also doing the same as a project I'm so passionate about. I mean, your Sifu is 84 years old, as you mentioned. I mean, he, yeah. you know, how, you know, he's really great at what he does, but he needs support and the next generation to pick up where he's, you know, where he left off and to be able to modernize the message. And I felt like this urge, it's funny, two days ago, and I looked at everything I'm doing. Yeah, YouTube, great, podcasting, awesome, uh, creating content, help other people. Then I realized my mom, who's stuck here with me in Boston, uh, I forgot oh, to mention, she? she's, she's yeah. right here. She's like literally in her wow. bedroom behind this wall right now. Um, wow. she came, I know she came to visit me for just a couple of months and then the pandemic happened. And wow. so she, she's here. She's really happy. She's painting away. Um, and then I realized this is such a rare opportunity for me to capture everything. So I started videotaping everything she's doing. I mean, we literally put a large jar full of white rice, like raw white rice in it, put like a selfie stick inside. So when she paints, <laughs> there's like, there's that phone, like capturing everything she's doing. We're backing everything up to cloud. Wow. And I feel like I'm in a way doing sort of, similar things in parallel to what you're like looking at your structure it gives me and inspires me to say i want to do that even if it's that's not an app for mom it's you know live streaming book and products i'm doing a lot of that too like researching how to document things beautifully and like the different ways to do that in different contexts like if you're at a beach how do you do it if it's yeah. in the water, if it's like from above, or if you have, you're holding a weapon, how do you do it? Like, it's really yeah. fun and like interesting thing so that you document like, not just like making a beautiful 
video mm. but like documenting something like a learning tool or something like that I so think i think there's a unique cool. opportunity for you too sorry you slow down and i think i talked over you yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I realize there's a unique opportunity for you as well because currently on either even on YouTube and elsewhere, there isn't a ton of uh, there are not a lot of tutorials and experts who can say when you're holding your weapon or when you're showing your you know hand movements um, there this is how you shoot it. I mean, there's something universal about photography and videography that you can mm -hmm. learn from. But there isn't someone, and you could be that voice, in my opinion. And you haven't, you know, if you have your channel, maybe you can talk about that, and we can talk about that offline too. I, I'm fascinated by how people shoot videos and how to make it more interesting. And to your point earlier, yeah. when you don't learn, when you haven't learned how to do that, it's hard to market and, and broadcast and make this kind of a long living art because people are not going to be interested when it's not shot correctly, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a little of contradicting. Course. Right. And if the book isn't beautiful, they can't follow, they can't, or the app doesn't work yeah. and people are going to leave. And if it's so. too cluttered, like for me, if, there, if I look at something and there's many things going on, I can't, I can't digest it. Yeah. So I think yeah. it's like removing the noise and then so you can concentrate what's the main point. But, you know, what you're saying kind of stimulated made me think that actually also I think there is something about being able to do everything yourself. Mm -hmm. So like... Mm -hmm. If you're thinking something and then you need to do it quickly, you can't then ask someone, can you come me? But like, if you have a setup that allows you to shoot, then it's much more empowering because you can think and then move on to the next thing rather than like, wait, on Tuesday, I can mm -hmm. ask my friend to help me. Or, yeah. or I think that fluidity and that continuous flow is also important and to have the confidence and mm -hmm. In knowing like it may not be a very difficult thing just like work out the formula and then you repeat that formula so that you could you know replicate that yeah no that's a it's a beautiful thing to say because yesterday as I was cleaning up my social media cues and this year I, I try to be more intentional with not just how I share how quickly I share but what I share and um, right. Right. I remember so yesterday I was cleaning up my quote cards. I create these quotes based on people I interview and like some of my favorite quotes. I've turned that into a little like Instagram design, right? Oh, um, nice. Yeah. So you can definitely have your own too. Um, so Bobby Parrish, who's now a very famous uh, YouTube uh, YouTuber who makes meals at home, very personal. And yeah. his daughter is just adorable to look at. Uh, so, it, you know, and then he talked about something, which his quote I picked up yesterday is called, there is no excuse not to do anything anymore. There is zero excuse because of the phone, the technology that we have today. And, you know, exactly like you said, if you can't find a partner and these days in the US currently, I can't just find a friend to say, hey, let's go shoot film together. I mean, we could wear masks, but, you know, you're relying on some a lot of people who are busy or who can't really come out, you know, who have elderly living with them at home, they don't want to risk anything. So you got to find a way to do it on your own. I think that's kind of how a bit of an imposter syndrome hit me when I did my YouTube channel to think like, who am I to talk about these things? You know, and I'm not an expert. I'm just figuring, I'm recording as I'm figuring things out and people really love it and they appreciate that. So I would love to, to see more, you know, of your content and video <laughs> talking about like the making of process too. Yeah. I think like those things, like it's just important 
to learn to fail many times yeah <laughs> and then to learn in that process and then like when you're little you're not afraid of failing and then suddenly you grow up and then yeah. you're afraid to do many things and i think we just should just play yeah play just, just play. play um i exactly and uh i you know, we're, I know we're both in a bit of a, a privileged situation when I say that as we have a safe place to, to stay. We have plenty of food. We have access. We have electricity and access to technology. So definitely not taking that for granted. And um, I say that because, you know, this piece of content goes on YouTube where we're exposing ourselves to a much larger audience who don't really know much about us at all. But I think for people in our situation, then I feel like then we are more indebted to the community. We should be doing more as a result of it. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I know it is pretty late over there where you are. And I do want I do want you to, if possible, maybe share a bit more. Uh, about yourself. I think at this point, especially in my audience, people in North America or even in Europe listening to this and thinking, wait, wait a minute. So she's Chinese. She's, she's living in Hong Kong. Why does she have a British accent? And I think the British accent to me is obvious. Oh, do I? <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually think it's kind of a high, I think it's kind of a hybrid. Like I can't really, the British is definitely more obvious than the American. Uh, but uh, yeah, like actually, is there a Hong Kong accent? I don't know. Yeah, there is. There is. <laughs> it's like a Canto accent. <laughs> Definitely there is. Yeah, so a bit about me. Is that yeah, what? so tell us yeah, about so, your origin stories, where, where you grew up, where you went to school. Okay, so I, I am half Norwegian. My mom is Norwegian and my dad is Chinese. So they met in Ireland and wow. then uh, in medical school. Um, and then they came back to Hong Kong and I was born in Hong Kong, grew up in Hong Kong, went to like a local girls' school. <laughs> and then I um, went to England to study. Like I said, I love design. I went to like, I only dreamed of going to St. Martin's when I was little. Uh, oh, wow. I went to St. Martin's, studied product design. And then uh, I always loved tech. So I worked in tech industry um, and doing like, electronics and various things like that and then transitioned as the technology changed transitioned in more into ux and the, mm -hmm. the whole journey of like the user experience empathy and then um did more things like that and then after a while i was uh, sitting in a boat one day when i was in norway i was like when i'm 55 years old i want to know that i don't want to have any regrets you know, when you're and 55, like, well, that's pretty early on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, and then, and then, so I thought, you know, I, I want to do this thing that I've always wanted to do, which is combine, you know, have um, bring in the medical side. Like, you know, I, I grew up like waiting for my dad in the operating theater. Mm -hmm. So, like that kind of, like the the medical side. And so I started a company with my father, um, and he yeah it's called and we do like medical projects mm -hmm. and so this balance projects uh, is one of them um taking wow. quite a lot of time now but uh, we do like various other things as well so this is yeah so this was what i've always wanted to do um and so far i'm really enjoying it uh it's much harder than i thought <laughs> of course yeah, but uh, yeah. it's a kind of like a beautiful evolving journey um and humbling experience 
and to do something with your parents. And I know that doesn't work for everyone. And I, I think I'm going to also make a really good team with my mom as well, who is um, great. Yeah. You know, she's super respectful of what I do. She doesn't overstep her boundaries. Like she knows, she just literally told me, I don't know how your dad is. um, But my mom was like, whatever you need from a artistic point of view, videos, just tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. So I personally find that kind of, uh, you know, even when working with your parents, there's got to be boundaries and they're right. Like you need to, you need to have the right dynamic in order for that to work. Like, you you know, they need to respect your expertise, your authority in certain areas and vice versa. So, um, yeah, definitely. Like, I think actually I work much better than I thought with my dad like I thought we would be Mm -hmm. fighting all the time but actually he's uh because I think our backgrounds are so different yeah that what I know like I'm here talking about CMF like color materials and finish which I think is very very important and he's there talking about uh, Grant's anatomy and and, anatomical drawing of the shoulder joint you know and then the two two things kind of have they kind of meet mm-hmm. and like so when we do different projects like um then he would give me some insights from the medical thing i would go away design something based on his insights and then come back and give him to test mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so that like it's kind of it's really fun it's, yeah it's like play no, but grown up play <laughs> that that's so wonderful and i know that you talked you, you kind of talked very briefly about growing up in Hong Kong and it's funny that I want to kind of take us back there just a little bit and uh, I'll you know I'll let you rest I feel like we're like how long should we talk during the interview it's like 30 minutes no uh, I knew we're never going to end on 30 minutes so uh, people in living in North America at least as soon as you know you might love this as soon as I moved to the U.S. 20 exactly 20 years ago I noticed people have this uh, fascination about Hong Kong and Macau. Macau because entertainment industry, but for Hong Kong, it's people are fascinated because they see this as such a modern world. And I finally personally had the, the opportunity to travel there, I think around 2010 or 2011. Mm-hmm. And it just, other than driving over the bridge and have to spend like 120 bucks each time, which is really expensive, but it's so, everything is right there, right? Like if you go to a party, it's walking distance. If you want to go grocery yeah. shopping, if you want to eat a meal for $1,000 for five bucks, everything is in front of you. And there's something really attractive about being there. Um, so what, what was it like growing up for you? I, I never even asked you these questions. Did you ever feel overwhelmed or do you, do you feel like you're just naturally conditioned to be there? I think it was just, it was just what it was like. And I think in hindsight, I realized that how, because I also lived in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, in hindsight, I realized how multicultural Hong Kong is mm-hmm. and that it's like very fluid between the different cultures. And I think that's the, one of the really nice things I like about it. And another thing is that um, in the, you, you can like reach the countryside. So I live right next to a beach. So in wow. the morning, I take my sword or my spear and then I go <laughs> <laughs> and like the little area in front of the beach and when I'm done I go swimming wow. and then I go so like then I shower and go to work wow. so like it's really nice that and then I'm like half an hour from the city center 
mm-hmm. with the financial buildings and stuff. So I think that is a really interesting. And there's like the old and the new mixing together as well, which is really powerful. Mm. And, and, you know, I, um, this is awesome. So I feel like these, some of my questions, but some are questions that our audience might have. Like, you know, I noticed such a hodgepodge in Hong Kong and there are a lot of mixed cultures and, and also people. So is it very common for kids, not kids, just general population to have maybe, you know, one of their parents to be from outside of China? Is it like super common among your friends or people that you encounter or not as much? Well, I think my friends, yes. Mm-hmm. But generally there is mostly like just like pure Chinese, but my yeah. friends definitely and it also depends which part of hong kong there are different parts of hong kong right, and right. like a lot of people come to work mm-hmm. as well right so, from mainland china as well yeah 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 and like southeast asia mm, interesting and europe french yeah yeah and then you mentioned that you went to a girls school and i noticed yeah. that there's something about the hong kong culture is definitely in my opinion like westernized or or like yeah it used to be you know ruled by the british and they're still part of that culture there for yeah. example like girls school is you rarely hear about girls or boys school in mainland china most <laughs> people don't know this like it's always mixed you almost never ever hear there may be like a couple of schools floating around somewhere but in hong kong it's kind of a like a general practice it's very common right yeah i went to like a local local girls school and like i my first language was cantonese chinese a traditional form so like a, um, when you rewrite we write the traditional chinese yeah. um i think like back in the day i didn't have much choice in it but like my family wanted That's me awesome. to have like an authentic chinese background before i go to overseas to go to my university but Mm -hmm. the transition then like it was a struggle for me to do english when did you learn english that you don't sound like like maybe like 12 12 what you learned english when you were 12 well like of course you'd have like like a little like english english lessons but officially Mm -hmm. like i went to like uh yeah Mm -hmm. officially 12 yeah wow so you never did you speak english regularly before 12 with yeah but not not it was like mainly cantonese oh wow because like i studied in cantonese right so naturally my friends were all cantonese and my dad spoke to me in cantonese my mom is she speaks english but like she also learned cantonese her native tongue is norwegian she is palliative doctor right so she like imagine all her patients are like local um, Chinese. So if at the beginning she had no clue what she was saying, but like she had to just learn it. How, how long did job. it take? So she, how long I don't she, know, yeah. but she's been in Hong Kong over 30 years. So I would say she's like pretty good. She's like the best blonde lady that I've seen speaking Cantonese. <laughs> <laughs> but I think she was forced to. She was yeah. forced to because of the job. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Wow. So, um, all right. Last couple of questions. Like, I'll you. I mean, you're working with your dad. This app is launching. Have you ever thought about living else? Are you interested in 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 traveling a lot more or living outside of uh, China or Hong Kong? I think like these days, it doesn't really matter where you live anymore, right? 
you have your computer, you can pretty much go anywhere. So I like to keep it open and see, yeah. see where things take me. <laughs> yes, yeah, see where things take. And the world um, is much more small. This much smaller these days. Mm-hmm. And we're we're having trouble traveling these days I, until further notice. Yeah. So uh, that decision can be made from 2021 and on, perhaps. Um, so, hey, so I so appreciate you being here. And we definitely stayed on. I think for a solid hour and which is how long wow. I prefer recording <laughs> okay, anyway. Great. I think we've had great. two hours, four hours. We'll do the same, but for anybody else who's watching the descriptions below, Sarah Chan is a co-founder uh, for balance, which aims to spread the benefit of ancient art of Tai Chi and Qigong. And uh, there's an app, ebook, regular book, her website, Instagram, Facebook are all in the description below. Plus there's a live event guys on May 30th. Uh, so there's an RSVP link. So if you want to check it out and connect with Sarah, and I'm going to sign up. I'm so excited about this. Yeah. So um, this event will have a grandmaster, a doctor and me. So we will, it'll be running on zoom. Oh, by the way, is it going to be three to four fifteen, like, uh, China time possibly Hong Kong time, Hong Kong time. So GMT plus eight. Oh, so this is going to be have like a recording. Awesome. So it's going to be 3 a.m. Yeah, my yeah. time, but I will, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll wake Maybe up with eye crust and like just watch it. <laughs> Thank you um, so much, Faith. This episode of the Face World podcast is brought to you by Face World LLC, our marketing service agency created for independent creators and businesses. We offer website development, video production, marketing mentorship to people who want to tell better stories, level up, and create a profitable brand. Face World Podcast team are chief editor and producer Herman Ceballos, associate producer Adam Leffert, social media and content manager Rose DeLeon, transcript editor Alina Ahmedova, and lastly, myself, the creator and host of Face World. Thank you so much for listening.